0: Pastor Xavier Reese with this thought on the use of spiritual gifts.
1: The Holy Spirit is never going to force anyone to do something against their will or to be uncontrollable. If you say, you know, you can't stop speaking in tongues, I would say you're lying. Don't go blame God for your carnality. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Wow. He's not the author of confusion.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Abuse doesn't have to be intentional to be harmful, but that's often the case when it comes to the use and practice of spiritual gifts. Today, Pastor Xavier helps clear up any confusion as he brings us the simple truth regarding spiritual gifts, in particular, the gifts of inspiration, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. Let's rejoin him in the book of 1 Corinthians for today's important study. 1 Corinthians chapter
1: 14, the uh, message is entitled Gifts, Confusion, or Order. There are three gifts in particular that were problems to the Corinthians the gift of tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. And these are the things that he focused on. Now, the Apostle Paul provided an illustration regarding tongues. Listen carefully. In verse 6, Paul illustrates it from his own life. If Paul came to them and spoke in tongues, what would it benefit them? How much profit? None. They wouldn't understand him. If he spoke in a language understood, it would benefit them. Now, Paul, I'm sure, spoke Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic, for sure. And they would understand him. So even from the beginning here, he makes a thing between the supernatural gift of tongues and human languages. All right? So in verse 7 and 8, Paul illustrated through musical instruments what he's saying. The sound that comes forth from a flute and harp, though they do not have life as you and I do as people, they must give a distinct sound to be recognized. Now in verse 8, the trumpet that calls uh, men to battle must have a recognizable sound or no one will respond. It's either revelry, retreat, advance. That's a certain tune, a certain sound, right? Even in the Old Testament, you have certain sounds to break up a camp, all right? That's what he's talking about. Now, in verse 9 through 13, the apostle Paul expressed the understanding regarding tongues. Paul stated that like comparison that unless a person speaks in a known language, so has to be understood. How will people understand the word a person could be speaking to the air? That's what he would be doing. You know, if you're, you're on AM radio, that's all you can receive. You don't receive FM, right? Same thing. Okay? You got to be on the same wavelength. In verse 10, Paul stated there are various languages in the world. Now, one of them is without significance or voiceless. There's certain sounds, certain words, and you know them, I know them, so we can communicate back and forth. It's just real simple. But only those who know the sound and the words can communicate in that language. Okay? In verse 11, the hearer as well as the speaker become barbarians to each other if they are unable to communicate with the meaning of an earthly language effectively. Barbarian means that you didn't speak the language of the day. They call you a barbar. If you didn't speak Greek, you were a barbar. Verse 12 and 13, notice Paul stated that the zeal for spiritual gifts is to be concerned with what? The edification of the church. Not yourself. Even so, verse 12, he applies it. Since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that what? You seek to excel. You see? We want to edify the church. Your gifts are for me. My gifts are for you. Therefore, let the one who speaks with a tongue pray that he may interpret. In order to what? That the church may receive edification, right? He is saying, don't be a barbarian to those who are in the church speaking in tongues unable to be understood. Unless what? Unless there would be interpretation. Then it serves a benefit, right? Simple. Now, he's going to give the order of public worship as we move on. Now, look at 14 through 19. The apostle Paul gave the explanation now regarding the tongues. Paul stated the gift of speaking in tongues is a form of praying. So, he uses the tongues and praying synonymously. Amazing. The spirit of man is praying by the intervention of the Holy Spirit. You don't know what you're saying. That offends the intellect of man, okay? The intellect of the man is not cognizant of what is being prayed at the time. His understanding is unfruitful, he told us. Notice 15. Paul stated a twofold conclusion. He concludes that he would pray in the spirit, meaning tongues or praying, and with his understanding, Hebrew, Greek, or Aramaic, right? Right? Referring to earthly languages. Now, there are some who say that he's talking about earthly language. He's not not talking about in the spirit of earthly language. He's making the contrast between tongues and earthly languages. The rest of 15, he concluded that he would sing in the spirit. And with the understanding also, in earthly language. Here's the contrast. So he can speak or sing. No different, right? You can speak English. You can sing in English, right? Well, why would you not be able to do it with prayer language? Of course you could. (laughs) The choice is made in view of the ability to understand, either by an interpretation or by speaking in a common known language to the audience. Paul stated the reason for this conclusion a person will not understand the tongue. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say? The word uninformed. Idiotes. Does that sound like idiot? It means illiterate, uneducated. The Apostle Paul uses it three times. In contrast... To a believer who is not able to understand the tongue in contrast to the unbeliever who does not know God. So he's contrasting a person who is a Christian, uninformed. Perhaps he doesn't believe in the gifts or perhaps he is ignorant about the gifts in contrast to the unbeliever who is spiritually dead. All right? The person speaking in tongues alone is edified. For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified, okay? So even believers, if you're speaking in tongues, they don't understand you, so they're not edified. You're edified, but you don't even understand what you're saying, okay? Now, Paul gives the interpretation regarding tongues and prophecy here. Look at verse 20. Paul pleaded with the Corinthians to be mature. Paul exhorted the Corinthians as brethren to not be children in understanding. Like little kids. He exhorts the Corinthians to be babes regarding malice. There's the contrast. So, regarding these spiritual things, you've been acting like children. Doing your own thing, confusion, disorder. Grow up, be mature. And be mature regarding evil. How was the evil being manifested? By their childliness to do whatever they want. They wanted their pride and their confusion and to look as spiritual, right? That's the point. Now... Still in 20, Paul exhorts the Corinthians to be mature in their understanding. The context regarding is the exercise of the gifts, particularly the three that he's dealing in this chapter. They were the problem gifts. Paul is saying that he considered himself a mature believer in view that he can speak with tongues more than all of them, yet he did not speak out in tongues in the church because unless it's interpreted... It wouldn't benefit them. So he gives them a spanking. He's reproving them. Now look at 21. At this point, he quotes the passage of Isaiah, Isaiah 28:11. Isaiah was being mocked by the unbelieving Jew. Unbelieving is key. Regarding God's instruction, the fact that he was being so basic. And the Assyrian judgment to come. He was prophesying. And he's being basic, line upon line, priest upon priest, up here a little, there a little, mocking them. And the Assyrian would speak judgment to the people with stammering lips and another tongue in view of their refusal to hear the prophet Isaiah. They weren't believing in regular Hebrew language, they were acting like non believers. So God sent the Assyrians to rebuke them in their language they didn't understand to proclaim judgment. The law refers to the Pentateuch most of the time, and there it prophesies about the future judgment that was to be brought to the Jews by a foreign language. That prophecy is found in the book of Deuteronomy 28, 49, where God would prophesy in the future the fulfillment of Jeremiah, because God knew the heart of the rebellious Jews down the history, that one day a nation would come and they would not understand the language and he would proclaim judgment over them. Interesting. So the event is recorded for us as Rabshaka. The Assyrian spoke to the men on the wall to not let Hezekiah deceive them in Second Kings eighteen and Isaiah thirty-six. Don't let Hezekiah deceive you. He's not going to save you. God has sent us to judge you. The men on the wall say, "Don't say nothing." <laughs> now look at twenty-two through twenty-five. Paul interprets tongues in view of Isaiah's prophecy. Paul declared that as the Assyrian tongue was a sign of judgment to the unbelieving Jew, so tongues are a sign to the unbeliever in the church and prophecy a sign to believers. You see that in verse 22? In this verse... Paul is merely distinguishing the two different signs, one to the unbeliever and the other to the believer. Paul has up to this point, as you know, been talking about the believer and tongues. Now he switches to the unbeliever and tongues. To the believer, he declared, it edifies a person. It benefits the church because it's interpreted, right? To the unbeliever, he declared that it will be a sign of madness because they won't understand and they think you're crazy. 23 and 24, Paul declared the particular nature of the sign to the unbeliever by tongues and by prophecy to the believer. This is a rhetorical question, has only one obvious answer. Therefore, the church comes together in one place. Verse 23, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed, a believer who is not instructed or does not believe in the gifts, or an unbeliever, meaning one who doesn't know Christ, will they not say that you are out of your mind, mad? What's the answer? Yes. Tongues to the uninformed Christian or to the believer is a sign of madness, concluded by the fact that what? They cannot understand. Take notice that the one who concludes that all the people are mad or crazy is not only the unbeliever who's not a Christian, but the uninformed Christian who perhaps does not believe in the kiss. Or is not taught in the gifts. They're both gonna say, You guys are nuts. Simple. But if all prophesy, verse 24 says, and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced of all, he is convicted by all. The unbeliever is convicted of their lostness, their sinfulness. As the word is spoken, they understand it. And the sign being the need of repentance, not madness, right? Because they understand. The believer is convicted of their sin and shortcoming by the word spoken. And they confess and they get right with the Lord. Both respond the same way. Repentance. The unbeliever for salvation. The believer to stay right with God. Simple. Now look at 25. Paul described the effectiveness of God's word for both individuals, unbeliever and the believer. Thus the secrets of the hearts are revealed, falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you because they were able to understand both unbeliever and believer. As I'm speaking, Believers understand me. And if you're a non-believer, God is allowing you to see your need of salvation to convict you of your sin in plain English. Simple. So these are the important instructions on tongues and interpretation of tongues and prophecy. He lays them out. When you follow them straight like that, they're clear. lastly, The imperative order for the public gathering of the church regarding prophecy, tongues, and interpretation is given. Verse 26. Paul the apostle gave an actual case scenario here of the church of Corinth. In the exercise of the various gifts in such a way that they did not edify the body, but resulted in chaos and confusion. The mild reproof is expressed by the question. It's rhetorical. Listen. How is it then, brethren, and he's loving... Whenever you come together, there is a context. The assembly of the church. The disorder is expressed by Paul, naming five things taking place. Listen, all at the same time. Each has a psalm, a teaching, a tongue, a revelation, an interpretation. All at the same time? That's crazy. Confusion. The command was corrective. Let all things be done for edification. This is an imperative command, not a suggestion. Simple. You can't have all these things going at the same time. Then in 27 to 28, the Apostle Paul gave the order for tongues and interpretation of tongues in the church gathering. Paul stated in 27, this is the context of when they gathered in the church again. First, He placed a limit on the number of people. If anyone speaks in a tongue, now we're talking about supernatural gift, not Hebrew, not Spanish, not English, not Pig Latin or anything else, okay? Let there be two or at the most three. Second, he declared there should be order and each one in turn, not all at the same time. Third, He demanded there be an interpretation. One interpret. So as to have the body receive what? Edification through understanding. Then in 28, Paul stated the condition for speaking out in the church. And it's very, very clear. Listen. First, but if there is no interpreter, the implication being two. First, the personal knowledge of one present to interpret having the gift. The gathering is small enough, the people know each other, so they know who has what gifts, right? Simple. Notice, second, in 28, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. When? If there's no interpretation. First, he speaks to himself to see if it is the Holy Spirit who has spoken to him or her, not just their own impulse. So it comes back to me. Because sometimes I think God may speak to me, but he's not, right? So I keep saying, Lord, is this really you? You speak to me. If it's you, then deal with me again with the same thing, right? That God confirm it. And then he speaks to God, first himself, then to God, that God may give him that interpretation if it truly was God. But in other words, you don't just jump out. It could be just your emotions. You make sure it's God. The Apostle Paul gave the order for prophecy in the church gathering. Next. First, he limits in verse 29, again, the number of people. Let two or three prophets speak. Second, in 29, and the others judge. This is important. The order is to be judged. Is it one gift at a time? And then the content is to be judged to make sure it doesn't contradict the word of God. So if somebody says, you know, I want to, uh, my children, I want you to be encouraged and I want you to follow me. I've got a new revelation. You say you're smoking something because it's contradicting the word of God. You understand? So we not only judge that it's one gift at a time but we judge the content of what's being brought forth. Does it add to the word of God? Does it contradict the word of God? Or does it go along with the word of God? Does it edify, comfort, or exhort, right? Who's to judge? The whole church. Not just the pastor. The whole church. The function, does it edify? Exhort or comfort? These are all tests that you are to know as people, not just the pastor. And notice early in verse 30. But if anyone is... Uh, Anything is revealed to another who sits by. Let the first keep silent. So in other words, in turn, not at the same time, right? Be courteous. Here you come, you're driving, you come to an intersection. There's no stoplights. There's no signs. You look at the person, you go. You go. You're courteous. You go. If we both go at the same time, we're going to crash. In other words so that each can speak in order and not confusion. He gives the reason. Look at 31. For you can prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. So here Paul says that really every person God can use to speak in edification, exhortation, and comfort to others, right? Not just one person or a group of people. Prophecy means speaking forth the word of God. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. It's not talking about predictive events, right? He's defined it for us. Now, in 32 and 33, the basic reason that Paul can demand order without fear of quenching or grieving the Holy Spirit is due to two simple principles that never change. Here they are. Look at 32. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. The Holy Spirit is never going to force anyone to do something against their will or to be uncontrollable. If you say, you know, you tongue out and you can't stop speaking in tongues, I would say, you're lying. That's what I would tell you. In Jesus' name. (laughs) The Spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophets. Don't go blame God for your carnality. Second, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. Wow. He's not to have the confusion. The lack of order and confusion is man's doing by the lack of knowledge of the scriptures or by allowing himself to be led by their emotions. And this happens a lot of time in Pentecostal circles. It's, it's, it's an emotional theology that's taught. There are brothers and sisters, but just a little out of control. You understand? All right? Verse 31. So take note that Paul declares... In all the churches of the same. All the churches of the same. God is consistent in all the churches because they are all part of His body and He is the head of the church. We all have the same Bible. We all have the same Holy Spirit. We all have the same mind. So we should allow those things to be in line, right? Simple. In 40, He concludes with the mandate for absolute order in everything in the church, the context being the gifts of the Spirit but particularly tongues, the interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. Very, very clear. Now, when you follow it verse by verse, and you read it in the context, and examine it with the whole of Scripture, it makes all the sense in the world. This is the teaching of Paul, as he has addressed prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. The introductory remarks about prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues have been laid out for us. The important instructions on tongues, interpretation, and prophecy has been very, very, very clear according to his instructions. And the imperative order for the public and the church regarding prophecy, tongues, and interpretation cannot be missed. It's there. Now, exercise your gift decent and in order for the edification of the whole church.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truths about the proper implementation and practice of the gifts. And if you'd like a copy of today's study, just ask for the message titled, The Gifts, Confusion, or Order. They're available as always for just $4. And this will also contain everything Pastor Xavier shared on this subject last time we were together as well. Now the title to ask for once again is, The Gifts, Confusion, or Order. Or simply mention today's date when you write, Simple Truths. And thanks for including the call letters of this station when you contact us. Not sure where you're going when you die? Pastor Xavier Reese says it's best to plan for your future. Hope you'll be there on the next Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California